And I want to say welcome to everybody tonight who has joined us. And tonight's webinar we are going to talk about resources and strategies for using PBS Kids Early Childhood and Elementary Literacy resources in the classroom. And I think we are going to throw it over to Steve now to talk about your basic steps for moving through Illuminate. A couple of you mentioned that you are newbies to this. Hi everybody, this is Steve. Sure want to welcome you. If you were listening to our pre-show tech support, thanks for being patient with us. You are in Illuminate. This is a fun environment. It provides for a fair amount of interactivity from the participants. At the top of your screen you should see an A, B, C, D, E. Those are letters that allow you to respond uh, to questions. And by clicking on I'm going to click on the A and you'll see next to my name the A shows up. Uh, if we ask a question and you, you do respond in that way, then we can actually produce the results um, uh, to the whiteboard so you can see how people have responded. Uh, you do have some emoticons at the bottom of your participant window. They let you uh, let us know if you're happy, the smiley face, or you're clapping. Uh, there is a confused face and a thumbs down. We don't often see those, but if you are confused, please feel free to use them. Next to those smaller emoticons is a larger box with a hand up. And if you click on that, that lets us know that you would like to grab the mic to ask a question. Um, before you do that, if you think that you might want to ask a question in the session, go up to Tools Audio and run the Audio Setup Wizard to make sure that your mic is working beforehand. Uh, you can send messages to each other and to the rest of the group in the chat window. We ask that you keep those messages as much as possible on topic so they don't distract the other participants or the speaker. Uh, and do be aware that even though it does look like you can send a private message, you can send a private message to another participant. The moderators do see those private messages. I am going to give you permissions right now. You're going to see next to your name a new little pencil come up with a red line underneath it. That indicates that you have permission now to modify the whiteboard. And if you go over to the whiteboard and look for the wand, to the left of the whiteboard, look for the wand with the little red dot at the end, little star, red star at the end. That lets you place yourself on the map and let us know where you're listening from. So to the left of the map, a little wand with a red dot. Click on that and then click on the map. So it looks like we're an all-U.S. audience tonight. We're very close to it. Now I'm going to leave your permissions available and I'm going to go to U.S. map and let you be a little bit more specific. So it's often fun also to put uh, your city and the temperature of the weather in the chat. Just fun to see where people are from. If you if you haven't done that yet, you're welcome to. I am now going to take away your whiteboard permissions and pass it back to Tamara. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you, Steve. Uh, tonight we are going to be joined by four guest presenters. Julie Wood will be talking to us about literacy in the 21st century, followed by Scott Cameron from The Electric Company talking about how to use that program and its resources in the classroom. Heather Dzicki will be joining us about uh, practical applications for using PBS Kids programs in the classroom. And Jennifer Rodriguez will talk about a special property we have called PBS Kids Island. Prior to jumping into our presentation, we'd like to get an idea of what grade levels you work with. If you could take a minute and locate the A, B, C, D, E buttons at the top of your screen and choose the grade levels which most appropriately match your experiences. Okay, and then I'm going to go ahead and publish out the results so that we can get an idea of where everybody is. Ever seems to be the most popular choice this evening. Okay, so we're going to go ahead now and move into our main presentation. Julie Wood is going to 
kick us off, Julie is the ed educational consultant for PBS Kids Raising Readers Project and also works with the Harvard Graduate School of Education. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thank you so much. Um, thanks everybody for being here tonight. Um, I see that uh, you know that that um, you there's quite a span of grade levels, and I'm a, I'm afraid my talk is less sexy than other people's talks because I'm, I what I really want to talk about is the pedagogical foundation for so many of the programs that we see on PBS and share with you some of the uh, current research. If you're the kind of teacher who likes to really know that his or her practice is grounded in research, um, in the literature, and in with what experts in the field are urging us to do, then I hope that my short segment will um, you know, uh, be useful for you as you design literacy programs for your children. Even though this is about young children. Julie, I'm sorry to interrupt. This is Tamara. Can you speak up just a little bit? Some of the oh, sure. participants are having a hard time. Um, yeah, and I, you know, um, I know that this is for young children, but the implications are enormous for children at um, a wide range of grade levels because getting off to a good start, as you know, is so important. And we often see kids who are struggling readers and writers in the early grades still struggling in the upper grades. And the kids who come in very well prepared for school are the ones who are, you know, who perform well later. So we really want to give all of the kids um, the best start possible. I'm sure that that's your goal too as teachers. So that said, let's let's go and talk about um, what the uh, National Literacy Panel tells us. Um, what do we know about effective literacy instruction? There is a relatively new report that came out last year from the National Early Literacy Panel that you can access from the um, government website, and I would encourage you to do this. There's um, both a PDF version, and uh, you, there's also, you can also ask to have it mailed to you, either the whole report and or the executive summary. And I recommend having them send you reports because it's, it's just a huge PDF um, file to download. And I don't think you want to bother with it, and they'll send them to you free. So that seems the way to go. But um, what, it, what it tells you about is the skills or abilities that young children, we're talking birth to grade to age five, need to have for school success in reading, writing, and spelling. And then the findings um, drawn from published scientific studies that show correlational evidence, early skills, and later growth and their impact on decoding, comprehension, and spelling. And as you can imagine, you know, there's a very strong correlation. So what are the predictor skills that transcend IQ and socioeconomic status? And this, I think, is so interesting that these, these six areas are just so important no matter, you know, for, for all kids in all settings. First is alpha, alphabet knowledge, simply the names and sounds of printed, printed letters. That's just a huge predictor. Phonological awareness. Remember, phonological awareness is auditory, and that makes it different from phonics in that phonics is, is both auditory and visual. So the phonological awareness is being able to hear the initial sounds in words, being able to hear rhyming words, uh, being able to play with words, like turn bun into pun or what have you. So that's just really critical. Um, the rapid automatic naming of letters or digits huge predictor. Uh, rapid automatic naming of objects or colors, absolutely. Uh, ability to write individual letters and names, uh, yes, key skill. And phonological memory, that is being able to remember spoken information for a little while. So these are what we want to make sure that our young children, these skills are what we want to make sure our young children have. Um, there were Five other skills that were in the next tier down. They weren't quite as strong predictors, but they're still really important. And good teachers um, of young children have been doing this for years, but now we really have a lot of evidence based on all the research that's out there and uh, having the panel really doing a meta-analysis of all the research to show that in the second tier we have concepts about print, 
that is how to use a book, uh, you know, how to hold a book, how to read from left to right, etc. Print knowledge, um, which is kind of a combination of alphabet knowledge, concepts about prints and early decoding, uh, reading readiness, you know, having been read to, knowing what stories are, knowing about storybook language, and so on. Oral language, really key. I'm actually surprised, personally, that oral language isn't in the top tier, but there you go. And then visual processing, the ability to match or discriminate visually presented symbols. And these 11 skills that we're talking about um, are really reflected in a lot of the programs that are on PBS, and my colleagues will talk about that more specifically. Because the question is always, so what, what does this mean? How can I really give my kids a variety of experiences? And that's where educational television, the web, and other forms of media can be so helpful. Okay. So implications for instruction, what does this mean for your teaching? That the nature and intensity of instructional activities were found to be critical. So you've got to give kids a big dose of all these skills. So the most successful interventions in the research literature really talked about one-on-one -on -one or small group activities around these skills, frequent learning opportunities, again, that's where media can come in to reinforce all these skills, and adult direction. And you know, for many years, as you know, um, PBS has been promoting co-viewing and, and you know, parents getting involved on the web with their children and so on, and those are all critical activities. Um, so there, we have this urgent need for good primary level instruction. Uh, we know that the early cognitive and linguistic development are highly predicted even farther down the road than you might have imagined. Um, we have 21 million children from birth to age five in the nation. And so where are they? Where are they getting these skills? Well, 5.5 million are in preschool, some are in Head Start. But that means that a great many other children are spending time with their parents rather than in preschool or childcare. So you know, we want to really work with parents and help them help their kids have these early predictor skills. Uh, Julie, can you increase your volume just a little bit again, please? Oh, sorry. Yeah, is this Thank better? You. Yes. Okay. So parents are their children's first teachers. We know that. We tell parents that all the time. Um, we need to give parents the confidence to work with their kids and, and teach them. Some of them feel that they're ill-prepared or that that's the job, uh, job of schools or preschools. So we need to show them interesting and enjoyable ways to help their children develop these precursor skills that we talked about that tie in so strongly with school success. And both with PBS Online, both the children's games and activities as well as the tips for parents give us enticing ways to support learning, um, especially by the families I was mentioning who feel intimidated. They feel that they don't read that well themselves or that they're not fluent uh, enough in English. And we need to really convince those parents that they there's so much that they can do, especially around oral language development. So these primary level students and the five components of literacy, as we move up now, we get into the report of the National Reading Panel. And you know about these skills because these have been out there for 11 years. The phonemic awareness, which we discussed, that's the auditory piece, phonics, vocabulary, fluency, and comprehension. So the 11 skills that I mentioned really then, for the older kids, flow into these, these other skills that I know you're aware of because there's been such a push in the nation on these other skills. Um, and we know that kids learn by doing. Uh, as James G., who's this, this, I'm sure as you know, a fabulous literacy researcher who's really turned his mind toward new media, says real learning is active and always a new way of experiencing the world. Um, so before I finish, um, and I, I would love to hear back from you later when the time is right, uh, the power of how WAM Children Digital Media in Our Nation's Future is just a, a, a great resource that's on the Joan Gans Cooney Center website and getting over the slump, innovation strategies to promote children's learning by um, James Paul G. So um, I'm going to leave you with those resources. We'd love to hear your response later. And I'm going to turn this back to our moderator, to Jenny.
Thank you, Julie. Uh, next, we have Scott Cameron, who is going to talk to us about the electric company and how it can be used in the classroom. And uh, Scott is going to guide me through the slides as I move forward. So if you all just bear with us on that. Yeah, my apologies. I, uh, but we will do it together. We'll make it work. Um, Teamwork. Yes, exactly. So um, we we have that slide with the logo, and we'll move right into the slide about the curriculum. Um, as as uh, you just heard, my position on the project is director of education and research, and so our challenge here was to create a curriculum that really was. Um, going to meet the needs of struggling readers, mostly ages 6 to 9, um, who for whatever reason haven't gotten the educational resources or, or um, support that they've needed to be on target um, as strong readers. And so our curriculum focuses on four main areas, decoding, which is you know, phonemic skills that, um, that you just heard about, uh, vocabulary, which is a new Book, uh, a new curriculum area for the project. It's not something that the original show did, but over the past 30 odd years, we've learned through a lot of different studies how important vocabulary is. The 30 million word gap that Hart and Isley identified, as well as a lot of other studies that show that kids really need vocabulary support. And so we've tried to find ways to um, develop the vocabulary for six to nine year olds and help kids who are disadvantaged to really kind of get up to speed and and learn words that maybe their more advantaged peers might already know. Uh, our third goal is comprehension of connected text, which basically means uh, we've helped you sound out some words. We've helped you learn the meaning of some words. What do you do when you're in a sentence, a phrase, a paragraph? How can you use um, context? How can you use previewing skills? How can you um, identify punctuation marks and all of and help use those things to help you understand meaning. And finally, motivation. We decided to explicitly call out motivation for the project because we know that one of the big challenges with struggling readers is that it's sometimes reading and writing seem very disconnected from their lives and they don't really see why they need to spend much time learning to read and write when all it does is make them feel bad because they're not getting it. And also we know that a lot of children particularly from disadvantaged backgrounds, may not have a lot of print in their home. We interview a lot of children as we develop um, the television show and the broadband site and our outreach materials. And I'm always astonished by how many kids really don't have any books or magazines or newspapers in their home when, when we um, ask them about their home life. So motivation is a big part of it. Uh, so we'll go to the next slide, which is um, all about decoding. I think Probably everyone here is very familiar with these sub-goals. Um, when we talk about decoding for the electric company, we're talking about identifying consonants and consonant blends. Um, I think one of the most iconic segments of the original electric company were these segments called silhouette blends, where you saw two faces in silhouette, and they would sound out words like ch change, change. Um, so consonant blends are still really important. We know that kids need a lot of help with that as they do with vowels, both short and long. Um, silent E is a really big part of our project. We know that helping kids identify um, silent E and know what happens when you add an E to the end of cap and why it makes it into cape is an important skill they need. Vowel combinations, word endings, all of those are, are crucial. And we'll move next to vocabulary. Um, this is the area that we spent a lot of time developing. We need to find a way, as I said earlier, to um, help bring kids up to speed and help them learn vocabulary words that they otherwise might not have heard in their daily life. And so we came up with these ideas of conceptual domains, and you see them listed here, animals, arts, the body. All of these are topics that we know are really relevant to kids ages 6 to 9 and that are of high interest. We worked with about 200 Reading First teachers to figure out what are the 10 topics that are, are very um, powerful for kids in this age range. And that also can help us tell stories. And so the way these conceptual domains work is we have four episodes for every domain. So for animals, we have four different episodes. And within each of those four episodes, we have five vocabulary words. And the domains help us to um, uh, give the child a way into um, the, the vocabulary. For example, in an episode about one of our characters, Jessica, turning into a reptile for a moment, 
Um, and uh, the idea of reptiles is something that kids understand. They understand what a snake is, but they may not know the word reptile. They may not know the word scales. And so we have these five vocabulary words that are all in the domain of animals, um, but we're teaching them new words that they can connect to animals, which is something they already know about. Um, so conceptual domains has, has been a very useful way for us to teach vocabulary in the TV show, but also online what we've been able to do is to develop these domains and have them go week by week online and have the activities online mirror what's happening on the broadcast. And when we start becoming a daily show in September, we're going to air all of the episodes by domain. So all of the animal episodes will air in the same week. And when kids go online to play broadband games, they will see during the animals week, they'll see vocabulary from the animals episodes. And that domain will kind of be themed for the week along with the episodes on TV. So we're really trying to get at this 360-degree approach to literacy where what kids see in the television show is reinforced in the broadband site and also in all of our outreach materials. Um, sight words, we're just moving down the, the list of um, elements in the vocabulary section. Sight words we know are very important, and so we have segments devoted to that and games devoted to that as well. Compound words and common word endings. And we'll move on to the next, uh, the next slide, which is connected text. Um, this is where we hit punctuation and strategies for understanding. I mentioned these earlier, and also motivation. Um, and I mentioned the importance of that earlier as well. Although I'm not speaking too quickly, I, I want to get to the juicy stuff. So I'm moving along to the next slide, which shows you a sample curriculum from Episode 6. So this will show you how all of the things I've just talked about kind of hang together in an episode. You'll see that we have five vocabulary words there. So these words like agility and challenge and coordinated function, victory, these are all words that grow out of this story. And the idea is that when kids watch a show and then retell what happened in the show, we want them to, to have to use these vocabulary words in order to retell the story. Because that way we know that the words have really resonated with them and that they're going to learn them. If they have to talk about a character being uh, challenged and having a challenge and he lost his coordination so he's not coordinated, all of these, um, all of these words need to kind of hang together as a group. Um, the show is, is structured like a sitcom. It's a half-hour show. And instead of commercial breaks, we go to what we call clusters. And those clusters are where we teach the phonics and the connected text, the motivation skills through little short bits that are very similar to the short bits from the original electric company. So in the same way, if you're watching an episode of Seinfeld, you see them in the storyline, storyline, and then you, you have this commercial break about 10 minutes in. Our commercial break here in this episode cover short I and sight words with and without, which obviously have short I sound in them. And then we go back to the narrative to focus more on vocabulary. And then we come to the next quote-unquote commercial break, cluster two, where we further the, the idea of short I by showing how compound words with short I are created. And then slide and drop is the name of a music video that we have that reinforces the principle of um, moving letters around to create new words. And so if you have the word rings and you slide the S out, you get the word ring. But if you slide the S in with a T, you get the word string. And that's something that we know uh, has been really fun for kids. And they dance along to it. And you can go online and learn how to do the slide and drop dance, which I guarantee you, you should stretch before you do because it's kind of challenging. And the next cluster is uh, is dealing with the f and full sound, the F and FL sound. Um, so by the end of an episode, children have been exposed to some short vowel work and also some consonant consonant blends. So we'll move on. Uh, after seeing that, we'll move now to the website and how the website kind of takes all of these different goals and takes the content from the TV show and applies them to different web games. The website. Um, uses the four main characters who are all part of the electric company, and they are our hosts. And so when you log on, there's live video, and the characters tell you 
um, what to do and where to go. All of our instructions are given orally because we know that struggling readers obviously won't be able to read everything. And so everything has, um, has oral uh, tags to them. And on this over again, you see that there are a bunch of different elements to the site. We have the home page, obviously, profiles and games, videos, and a battle. And I'll get to all of that. You don't have to log in to play the games, um, but you do have to log in if you want to get points and apply them. So we'll go to the next slide that shows the website components, and it gives a URL, pbskids.org slash electric company. This is the, um, these are the main elements, the over game, which I'll talk about, the electric challenge games, which is where children can reinforce their lessons from the show and also really practice their phonics and uh, vocabulary skills. We have a streaming video player. So right now, I think all 16 episodes that have been broadcast are available streaming. And we also have a lot of clips from those episodes uh, streaming as well. And we uh, have been very um, thrilled, actually, to see how many kids are, and parents, I guess, are watching the episodes and the individual clips. We also have a resources area, and that resources area is really important. That's where educators and parents can go and download all of the PDF activity sheets that we've created for our outreach. And again, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. So if we go to the next page, you'll see this character battle page. One of the things that we really wanted to do was find reasons for children to keep coming back to the website because we know that that kind of motivation is really crucial if we're going to help them to practice their, their early literacy skills. And so this character battle um, grew out of watching shows like American Idol and watching how six to nine-year-olds get really excited about kind of getting behind one particular character that they love and trying to kind of compete for them. And so anytime any, of, uh, any child logs in and um, creates a profile for him or herself, they can choose which character they want to play for. And that means that anytime they play one of our electric challenge games, they earn points for themselves, but they also earn points for one of their characters. And so on this screen you see that Lisa is in the lead. She has uh, 605,500 points. This changes every day. Um, the more that children get exposed to the show, we see that the more points are being registered every day. At the end of every month, we show who the winner is for that month, and they give an acceptance speech. And so that little Hall of Fame up there, that pink button, is how you can um, access all of the different acceptance speech videos from previous months. And we find that that is the most popular clip for kids uh, on the entire site. So kids are really watching that and obviously are, are excited about seeing who wins. So we'll go to the next screen, and this is uh, this shows some clips of some of our 10 games. We focus on phonics, connected text, and vocabulary. You'll see that we have a silhouette game in the foreground that's about to launch. It's not up yet. Uh, but to the right, we also have uh, a clip of the chain game. And this shows you how you can go from a word like gab to jab by changing one letter at a time. But also, um, CR is a consonant blend, and so that's a unit. And so you can change jab to crab by swapping in the CR there. Uh, so this is just kind of a, a picture of the different kinds of games that you have. The next slide shows uh, some information about the streaming video. As I said, there are four episodes here. But what we've also done to really motivate kids is we've put up a lot of behind-the-scenes footage. Because we know that six to nine-year-olds are they're very savvy about media production. When I was six, I had no idea what green screen or blue screen was. I just knew that Land of the Lost looked kind of cheesy. But kids now, when we're out testing with them, no matter where we are in the country, kids are always saying, oh, is that green screen? How did you do that? Is that Was that blue screen, green screen? So we know that kids are interested in how media is put together. We also know that media literacy is a really um, important element that we want to embed as much as we can. And so we have our, our core cast members interview all different kinds of people from the show, everyone from the uh, people who do the graphics to the people who are in charge of education, uh, kind of the whole gamut. And let's go to the next slide. This is the Connect slide. Um, I mentioned before that parents and educators can go to the resources page. Um, this is 
the area where we've put all of the different downloadable PDFs. We have over 100, and those are worksheets that are created for our outreach partners, like Boys and Girls Club and Urban Libraries. Part of our grants from the Department of Education uh, requires us to go into 20 areas around the country that are identified as um, having particularly large groups of disadvantaged, struggling readers. So unfortunately, our grant doesn't allow us to get PDFs and, and video clips on DVD and um, guidebooks for educators and facilitators out to the entire country. I wish it did, and I wish we had the money to do that. But since we don't, um, everything has been put up online for free, and so you can download everything. And you'll see here on the right-hand side, there's a, a man, a young man in the screen. He plays the father of one of our cast members in the show. Um, so he's the kind of single dad on the show, and he's the parent here who guides parents and educators through this part of the site. Um, we have a lot of information about the curriculum and the educational goals, about the characters, about what happens in each episode. We have um, local events. We have um, also an, uh, the Kit Educator's Guide, and that is a kit that, as I said, goes out to all the outreach uh, facilitators. And it shows just how to use specific clips. For example, we have a lot of silent E songs and animations. How, if you're a parent or a facilitator, can you use those clips? in informal or formal settings with one kid or many kids to convey the idea of silent E and to get kids singing along and using the, the principle of adding E to the end of a word to change the vowel sound. Um, so this, this section is, is really important to me personally because um, this is the only way I think that we're going to be able to reach educators and parents across the country. And on a personal note, I would love to get feedback. Everyone can you can always email me and give me your uh, your take on materials, suggestions for how we can improve them. My email address is scott.cameron at sesameworkshop.org. So uh, that concludes this little overview of the Electric Company uh, website. And as I said, uh, I'd love feedback from any and everyone. Thank you, Scott, and I think we uh, managed to do great teamwork there when we got through great. that. Thank you. So next we are going to hear from Heather Dzicki, who is an elementary teacher from Pennsylvania. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here tonight with everybody. Um, I work at a very rural small school in western central Pennsylvania, and I do work with kids in grades 3 through 5. All of my students love the PBS Kids Programming, and these resources have been so motivating and engaging for all the tech-savvy kids that I work with. Um, they really let me approach my curriculum in an exciting, modern way and provide a way to connect the parents because of the home practice aspect. I use these resources, and I try to come up with some related activities to go with them, which has resulted in higher interest and better quality of work, and it really lets me relate to my kids better in their world because I kind of get to see what, what they're interested in. Um, tonight, I'm going to be focusing on the comprehension and vocabulary aspects of literacy instruction across content areas. And I am going to talk about parts of the PBS Kids site. Um, and we'll link will be in the chat box, so you can visit them at any time. Um, yeah, I'm going to fix my microphone to make sure. Is that any better? I'm okay. We can hear you. Okay, excellent. All right, um, the first thing I wanted to share with you is Dragonfly TV. Um, this is a great um, series that helps us practice some strategies for success in nonfiction reading and writing that's related to science content. Um, the show uses real kids and their investigations in science topics. We can watch episodes online that relate to our content and do activities then to reinforce that. And one great accompaniment to the show episodes is the zine. And this is a downloadable magazine from the website, which includes a great variety of information that lets us practice all the different skills that I have listed here on the slide. Um, I like to use it on our interactive whiteboard for shared reading and practice with nonfiction text because it has articles, experiments to try, word games featuring um, pretty specific content vocabulary, and then it offers some opportunities for written responses to the articles. It kind of reminds me of a, a really great weekly reader, but it has video that goes along with it. 
Um, and you can find this in the parent-teacher section of the Dragonfly TV site. And it's listed right with related episode videos. The next thing I just wanted to, to point out is on the same site, which are widows that are available that relate to Dragonfly TV. These um, are great to use in group activities. I use them to get kids thinking and interacting for problem solving. And um, they're, they're science related and sometimes math, so they're useful for, for both areas of the curriculum. Um, this kind of takes into the next thing, which we really, my kids loved the episodes of the show, The Zoomies and the Riddles. So because of that, I started to have the kids respond in a notebook just to what we were watching and reading and, and talking about. And that kind of resulted in non-fiction experience journals that we started, where the kids can record their responses to science content exposure from the show or from the zine. And it's modeled after the kids in the show who keep records of their experiences in episodes, which is just great to teach kids to do that. Um, it's really a good vehicle for informational writing practice. And you can see in the picture, so that's my class. We were on a field trip to a water cave. And before we went, we watched a DSTV episode on caves and saw what kinds of data the kids were recording. And then we did the same kind of thing when we went and had some really great info in our journals that we could come back with and use for, for projects that continued after that. So I really, really enjoyed that part of it. And that kind of leads me to the message boards that are also available through the Dragonfly TV site. Um, we used our journals and picked out things that we wanted to publish to the message boards, which was, it was a great motivation for the students to summarize their writings and to edit their writing. They were proud to see their posts online afterwards. So that was a great way to publish what we had done. Um, I'm going to TV and move on to Lord Girl, because this is something that has been kind of a really exciting experience for my students. A lot of them didn't really know this show even existed until I shared it with them, but um, they love it. And I love it. It's, it's great for adults, too. It kind of gets you, it gets you really involved. But these are some activities that I have done using Word Girl episodes and, and accompanying games and activities. It's a really wonderful cartoon that focuses on vocabulary development. And I've used the show and website to introduce importance of understanding vocabulary and working with words. Um, and I have some really great results getting kids more interested in, in doing word work and applying that to their reading, writing, and speaking. Um, the first thing I want to share with you is a word mapping activity. It's not new in itself, but I'd like to incorporate that with my Word Girl episodes we watch. We'll take a video from the website, which the videos are available. There are full videos and clips. And we'll watch together and choose one of Word Girl's featured words that she uses um, to map. And that's something that the map is something I've adapted through a couple different resources. And it just basically has kids um, show definition, antonyms, synonyms, and use the word in context. And that's one of my students using a giant version of it, so you can kind of see what it looks like. But I know those are, those are very great to use. Um, to continue the word mapping kind of experience, the site also features a game that lets kids decide on word meanings based on context. When you play that together, it's called Power Words. And that's also something like that site. We do the same kind of word map activity in small groups using words from that game. So we reinforce that use of word mapping and the importance of understanding the meaning of the vocabulary words, just to keep, keep practicing that together. And that leads us to um, a couple other parts of the word girl site, which um, can be used to keep practicing that same kind of, kind of activity. And that's um, the comic book. So there's actually an online comic book that you can read with the students. I like to project that one on the whiteboard, too. And then along with that, there's a game called Comic Strip Capers. And both of those feature kind of unfamiliar vocabulary words that kids have to determine meaning for and lets them practice using context and visual clues. So they, the kids love this. This is their favorite activity is the comic strip takers. So might definitely on the Word Girl site. Um, I think it's in Huggies um, House of, yeah, Huggies House of Fun area if you keep click on that. And we can show you where that is later. So, Doing all those activities with the word mapping prepares them for uh, a project I came up with, which is to create their own word girl comic strip. Um, and you can use any kind of focus vocabulary words with, with this activity, even those terms that are needed for standardized prep, test preparation so that 
kids can practice um, finding the meaning of words and then applying them to show understanding. So I've done this comic strip activity with um, just any kind of vocabulary. Sometimes I do science vocabulary, words and math. A lot of times reading such as like alliteration, similes, metaphors, just to show that they understand. Um, I give them a word, a vocabulary word. They do a word map, which I check out to make sure they understand. And then they create a comic strip modeled after the ones we have seen and worked with on the Word Girl site. And it features the Word Girl characters, which they love to use the different characters from the cartoon. And this is a picture of one of my students using the templates that I give them. Um, you can see that there are some, some bubble templates for their, their characters. And then I'll show you the next slide has um, our storyboard worksheet that they can use in planning. And you'll notice it has a focus spot where they can write the vocabulary word that they're using in their comic. And then it has some space for pictures and then some space for captions that they can write underneath. Um, this is just kind of their rough draft and planning stage of their comic strip. Um, I do let them use this and then they create a large version of their comic. And we use those to hang up in the room as reminders of vocabulary words and as maybe a set vocabulary words. Um, and all these games and activities that I've been talking about for both on Dragonfly TV and WordGirl are located up in the PBS Kids site. And for WordGirl specifically, um, all the games are in Huggy Top of Fun, and you would see that area as soon as you get to the, uh, to the WordGirl main site. Um, just to kind of wrap up, I wanted to tell you that all of these resources from PBS Kids are such a great way to motivate students to get excited about content. And with the video being right online and the activities are there to go with it, you know, you just it's easy to incorporate that into your everyday, everyday teaching life. And it shows, you know, that what we do in school has real life applications for kids because, you know, it's gonna be part of their world on T V at home and then they can look at the the activities online again. It really gives me a homeschool connection too. I can tell my parents, you know, to check out these sites and they're a great connection to what we're working on in school. So parents can be aware and involved, and then the kids can, can practice these activities at home and really reinforce what, all, what we're working on at school. So I think that's, that's it for me. All right. Thank you, Heather. Um, our last presenter for this evening is Jen Rodriguez, who is the editor for several of our PBS Kids properties and is the project lead on PBS Kids Island. She's going to give you um, a brief tour of an introduction to PBS Kids Island, and then we are going to try to open it up for a couple of questions after she is done speaking. So Jen, take it away. Sure thing. Um, so my name is Jen Rodriguez, as uh, Tamara said, and I work with PBS Kids in um, their interactive department. And just before I get started, I wanted to confirm that everyone can hear me well. So I'll give people an opportunity to, uh, to message if they cannot. Um, Okay, looks good. Okay, great. So um, I'll proceed. Um, so I'm going to show you this evening a resource that is free and that's available from the pbskids.org homepage. There's a promotional link uh, to PBS Kids Island from pbskids.org. But if you want to visit the site directly, you can just go to pbskids.org slash read. Um, the link has just been posted in the message board. And um, as I said, it's a free website. It offers resources for children that are um, between the ages of 2 and 5, but it easily ages up for struggling readers. So even children as old as 6 to 8 can benefit from this site. And we found in user testing that, that older children really find the immersive elements of the island really compelling, and, uh, and that often the games are at the right level for a struggling reader who may be older. So um, what you'll find here is that uh, in PBS Kids Island, there are basically two components to it. And what I will show you is that really mostly the children's component, the immersive experience. And, uh, and then I'll mention a little bit about what the adult uh, companion resource materials are. There are things like a reading activity calendar that offers daily reading activities. And there are also um, other features uh, to the island that include a progress tracker. And uh, a parent or a teacher can uh, easily check in on a particular child's profile and find out how they're doing within the island and uh, what skills they're fulfilling in literacy. And, and so that, that can also be a useful resource. And again, it's all free. So to get started, let me just give you a, a quick um, 
peek at uh, the login system. Uh, it does require login because we save the progress of each user. And in order to report that progress and feedback, uh, we need to be able to, to have a username that's unique to each user. So what ends up happening is that as a teacher or media specialist, you could create a, a management account pretty much. And you would do that by entering a unique email address and password. And once you do that, you've created your account and you can log in. And I'll show you what um, the management screen looks like for a logged in user. So as a logged in user, you could uh, create individual player accounts, or you can create group accounts as you see here. Um, as a media specialist, you might have uh, whole classrooms of kids coming in and using a computer lab. And so, um, so what you would do is create, if you would like to, a whole group, a grade one class, let's say. And then within that class, you have several individual players. And so uh, there are nice ways in which this really uh, can either be used at home by a parent who just may have two to three kids and they want to um, create a unique pro profile for each child, or within a classroom where you may have large groups of kids. There's a limitless, limitless number of um, accounts that you can associate with this one large manager account. So um, you can really, uh, you can pretty much offer this to everyone in your school if you wanted to. Uh, so let me go ahead and, and, and just also mention that if you're interested in a step-by-step -step guide to setting up this account and to using PBS Kids Island, uh, the link is available on this slide right here. Uh, you'll find it under the Take a Tour section of our website where you can also view a quick flash movie that just really reviews all the main features of the uh, immersive experience and the progress tracker and also uh, helps you and guides you or parents that you may want to use this resource, it will guide those parents through uh, setting up an account. So um, without further ado, let's see if we can, oops, sorry, I won't advance the next slide, but I'll try and load the actual site itself uh, via application sharing. And let's see if we can do that here. So hopefully, I know that at times you may just see um, a portion of the screen. I'm going to try and scroll over as gracefully as I can. And what you see in front of you is um, actually the island. It's the immersive world. And I'll point out a few things to begin with. Um, the first experience that a child will have in the island is the level one um, level of games. And those are housed within the carousel. I'm going to click on the carousel so you can see those games. Uh, there are a total of eight levels within the whole entire experience. And basically the experience rolls out as follows. A child starts with level one, which is in the carousel, and when they complete these four games in the carousel, they can then be um, available to earn tickets, which they can trade for prizes. And they can also actually segue to the level two experience. And the neat thing about the level two is that they can actually choose the skin or the outer environment for their level two. So it may look like bumper cars or parachutes or a Ferris wheel. So there's a sense of choice and customization that little kids get to have as they play with this experience, which can be really an empowering thing. So let me go ahead and just uh, quickly give you a view of, um, of one of the games. Here's a Sesame Street game, Letters to Big Bird. And uh, it basically starts out, as I said, level one um, is the simpler skills. And the whole experience is scaffolded. There are a total of eight levels. And there are 32 games, so four games in each level. The first level focuses on phonological awareness. Um, so a lot of the games are, are focused on rhyming and then on letter identification. This is a letter identification game. And the object of this game is to define the, um, the, the vocabulary words or the objects that actually begin with the same letter that Big Bird pulls out of his mailbox. So here we would look for the, the wishing well and, uh, and the wig and the whale. And uh, really when a user concludes this gaming experience, uh, which I will skip over because um, I want to show you the other juicy parts of the experience, they'll be able to earn tickets. So I'm going to go ahead and click on the tickets here. And um, once you've earned tickets, which at this point is a test account, so there are zero tickets right now, but as a child accrues tickets, they can trade tickets for educational prizes within this prize booth environment. So there are videos such as this one um, from Sesame Street's Word on the Street collection that focuses on basketball and sports related words. And um, there are also individual worksheets that are a whole lot of fun. Um, some of them are just coloring sheets, but others are actually focused on uh, word search type skills. And um, there are free prizes that are offered here as an enticement because we want 
kids to be excited about the prize booth and to understand what it offers. And, uh, and they can enjoy those free prizes before they've earned uh, their tickets from playing games. So for now, let's go ahead and just click on a free prize. Um, and uh, we'll go ahead and check out our free prize in the treehouse. Um, the treehouse is the personalized space that a user has. They can actually um, play with all these interactive virtual pets and toys, move them around, or they can save them inside of the um, treasure chest where they can later view their saved prizes. Um, users can also view their video uh, prizes within the Videotron. And there again, uh, it's preloaded a video, but they can earn more videos from the prize booth. And um, let me go ahead and back out of here and show you that there's also this easel. And if you click on it, you'll be able to download worksheets and coloring sheets. And the user can customize this experience um, by actually changing their host, which I'll show you how to do. You click on these framed photos of Dash and Dot. And often uh, we'll find that little girls prefer to have uh, the experience narrated um, by, by Dot. And that's who it is now. Um, but I'll go ahead and switch to Dash, our slightly older character. And um, you're, not, you're not able to benefit from it at this moment. But um, there actually is a whole lot of audio support in the experience. And so Dash and Dot are pretty much guiding the user throughout the different destinations and uh, indicating to a user what new games are available. So let me go ahead and show you one last feature within the treehouse. Oh, there's also just this fun little element of customizing the color of your walls, uh, which we get a kick out of. And, uh, and let's go ahead and open up the awards screen. Um, this is actually a visualization of a child's progress. Um, and we have an adult version of the child progress tracker, but this is the version that children can quickly understand. As you see, we started at the carousel. We didn't complete any games, so none of these stars are filled in yet. But, um, but a child will see them fill in as they complete each game. So there's that sense of achievement also that they can, they can have when they're playing. So let me go ahead and back out of this treehouse experience. Again, we've really um, simplified the, the, the navigation so that all there is available is a go back button or a quick quit button. And, um, and I'll show you um, this area up here at the top, which is the contextual cloud. And it actually speaks specifically to the adult or caregiver. It indicates, uh, it offers a welcome message. And if you are actually uh, playing a particular game, it offers game-specific feedback. So for instance, I'll click again on the carousel. And I'll click on the Elmo Rhymes game. And you'll see that it says very simply that this is a game that's teaching rhyming. And there's an opportunity to learn more about that particular game. If you click on the Learn More link, it will let, enable the adult to preview this particular game. So we did this because there are a lot of uh, low literacy parents um, that we want very much to use this um, product, but we don't want them to feel hindered by their own inabilities. So they can preview the games and experience them before and help sort of to scaffold and co-participate in the experience with their children. So I'll show you one last thing about the island, and that is the, um, the progress tra tracker. Um, I've created this account. It's a test account for a user named Sophia. So when I click on the um, that link, it should open up the individual progress tracker for Sophia. And um, right now, as this is a test account, um, Sophia hasn't played any of these games yet, and these uh, little areas here are blank. But as soon as she completes each game, a, a colored block will fill until um, she's completed a whole set of games. And then a, a green bright star lights up. So anyway, um, just one moment to check in with the message board to make sure that everybody can see this. Let's see. Okay, and so um, let me go ahead and just move this over so we can see a little bit more clearly. And um, anyway, this is the progress tracker component that um, an adult can use to find out what skills a child has practiced. And, uh, and then just to conclude, this is really most of the, the island itself and what it offers. But there are a host of uh, companion resources within this Raising Readers website that can be used offline. Um, and I can show you very quickly that um, some of those are this reading activity calendar, uh, which is under Stories and Reading Activities. And it offers a daily uh, reading activity 
uh, idea, and these are very simple anytime is learning type activities. Um, as Julie was saying earlier, it's sometimes uh, difficult to motivate parents um, who are low on time and resources to help teach their children um, basic literacy skills. So we try to work some of these ideas into um, daily activities like going to the supermarket. You want to encourage parents to perhaps uh, engage their children in finding all of the items that start with the letter C. So they'll look for cucumbers and cupcakes and, and what have you. So this calendar offers really handy kind of day-to-day -day activities that can be used on that scale. And then the last thing I'll show you on the site, uh, there are many more resources, but um, is the word of the day. And uh, that's this item here. It actually focuses on a word from a particular series. And uh, it defines that word. And it also offers an audio um, definition of the word. And it shows a, a contextual clip from the series. So um, there are games and video clips from four specific literacy series on PBS Kids, Sesame Street, Between the Lions, World World, and Super Y. And those are the properties that make up the, um, the island games. And those are also the same resources that we use for video and interactive books um, that we reference on this site. Um, so that's primarily what um, Raising Readers has to offer, and in specific what PBS Kids Island can offer. And I'm glad to answer any questions if there are any. Thank you, Jen. Um, I want to thank everybody for participating tonight and our presenters for offering information. I want to turn it over to my colleague, Jenny, who is going to take us through the questions and wrap up for this evening. Thanks, Tamara. Um, and thanks, Jen, and all of our speakers. I see that we have a number of questions. And I'm just going to um, get us through the next couple slides quickly. Um, then Steve is going to put up a survey for everyone. And then we, um, our speakers will stick around for a couple minutes to, to answer questions. So um, we hope you'll bear with us. I know we're, we're coming up on 9 o'clock. But um, just wanted to share with you what's coming up next in our webinar series. We have a webinar in August to interview, our, uh, sorry, to introduce everyone to our new uh, Improved PBS Teachers website, where we'll talk about um, a lot of these resources as well as um, resources for the whole pre-K-12 spectrum. We have um, middle and high school resources as well as early childhood and elementary. Um, in September, we have two webinars. We have one at the beginning of September that um, should be really interesting. It's, um, it's focused on POV's The Principal Story, which is a film about two principals who turned around underperforming schools. So it's a pretty inspirational story um, and will be, I think, very interesting for both teachers and administrators to participate in. And then later in September, we're going to be premiering the brand new early childhood or the early science program from um, the Henson Company called Dinosaur Train. So we hope you'll join us for those two events. Uh, we hope you'll also visit PBS Teachers. As we said in the chat, uh, we offer thousands of free resources. We also have community functions to support collaboration among different teachers. Um, and we have archives of, our, uh, of all of our webinars. So if you go to the link that Tamara just put into the chat window, um, pbs.org slash teachers slash webinar, we archive all of these events. Uh, we include a chat transcript, a full recording, an audio-only recording, and thanks to Steve's widget wizardry, we also have a portable video version of all of our events. You can also save the slides from tonight's event by, pulling, by going to the top menu, clicking on File, then Save, and then Whiteboard, and it gives you a couple options of different uh, formats to save the slides in. So if you want to grab the slides right now, please feel free to do that. Uh, as someone mentioned in the chat, we also have a new series of PBS Teachers Activity Packs. These are widgets that you can embed right on your own website. They include collections of PBS resources and activities for students in grades 3 through 12. And coming soon this summer, we're also going to be adding a whole new series of these focused at pre-K-2. So it's a nice um, thematic collection of PBS and PBS Kids content that you can grab and post right on your own website. 
uh, we also have this is a slide showing the discussions area that I mentioned. Uh, we'll have a discussion in there about tonight's webinar, and we'll be posting a, a discount code so that you can save 15 percent on early childhood literacy videos uh, when you join PBS Teachers. So we hope that you will come to the PBS Teachers site to continue this conversation from tonight. Um, of course, we, we don't want to end without mentioning Classroom 2.0, the site that Steve founded, which is another terrific collaborative environment for teachers to share resources and strategies for using technology in the classroom. We want to thank Illuminate for um, hosting the event tonight and providing the platform. And then finally, here is a slide that has links with information to where you about where you can find um, the archived versions of tonight's events. So as we said, um, we'll post the archive of this event as well as all of the events in our series um, on the PBS Teachers site and Steve posts them on Classroom 2.0 as well. So um, please go there to, um, to grab these tonight's event and um, any previous events that you might have missed. We've had some great events featuring Henry Louis Gates Jr. and Jean-Michel Cousteau and a number of um, great teachers and um, education experts. So we hope you'll visit the site and grab those. We hope to see you in August. Um, Steve, if you can pull up the survey. Steve's putting up the survey now. Um, we'd love to get feedback about how these events go. In addition, there's a question on the survey so that if you want us to send you a letter to confirm your attendance tonight, we'll do that and then you can share that with the professional development person in your building or your district. Um, we definitely advocate for uh, participants receiving professional development credit for these events since they are an hour of, um, we hope, great resources and strategies that you can implement in your classroom. So uh, please take a few minutes to fill out the survey. And while you're doing that, uh, Steve and I have been collecting some questions throughout the event. So I'm going to pull those up now for, um, for us and I'm going to um, address them to the folks who spoke tonight. And then if you have additional questions, please um, put them in the chat at this point. So um, one question, I saw there were a number of questions that came in with, when Jen was speaking. Um, one question was about whether the student, um, the, the progress report is printable. Um, actually, we have not made it available as such as a printable item, but that's actually a great functionality that we could add without much complication. That's a great idea. Excellent. And, and then um, another question. I'll talk with our developers. Oh, sorry. I'll talk with our developers tomorrow about that. It never occurred to us to offer that as a printable, but we do offer that reading activity calendar. The daily activities are printable, and uh, and so the and the monthly activities are as well. So. So that's at least one item that you can find that you can easily print. But we will, we will, we will be sure to talk with our developers about that. Great. Um, another question that came in for you had to do with um, if parents want to access their kids' progress by logging into the site, do they have to um, log in as the teacher? Or how do parents access their, their kids' reports? Sure. So um, really the, the way that we designed it, uh, it's, it can easily be that you send the account to the parent. So there's actually a send to account, um, send account uh, link within that player management screen. And um, as soon as you log in and you create players, you can send a player to another individual. And all that's required is entering that other person's email address and submitting it. And then that person can then receive that player's information and, and then log them in. So it's a kind of pass back and forth. You you um, can't simultaneously manage the account as the adults managing the account. You would literally have to pass the account to the parent. And let's say at the conclusion of the school year, you started children on the island and you want them to continue practicing it over the summer months, you could send their account to the parent. And the parent could sort of shepherd that along in the months of the summer and then pass it back over to you. So, um, so only kind of one account owner at a time. But you can migrate that account to someone else. Great, thank you. Um, so the survey's back for those of you who lost it. Sorry about that. Um, I saw there was a question here about Sid the Science Kid. There's a Sid the Science Kid fan, and the question was about whether I think the videos are available on the site. Tamara, maybe you want to speak to that? Yes, um, the full episodes are not available on the site, but many of the specifically educational clips talking about growth or plants or when Teacher Susie sings. Um, those clips are available on the site. There's over 50 of them, I believe, that you can access. 
do we have any other questions? Um, you can put them in the chat window quickly. Okay, well, thank you everybody for joining us for this evening's webinar. And we hope you can join us again in the future. Our next one is August 26th. Uh, we will stay online for a couple of more minutes. If anybody has any questions, you can type them in the chat window. Yeah, and thank you, uh, Julie, Scott, Heather, and Jen for um, your terrific presentations. We really appreciate your all being here, and especially you, Scott, uh, for sort of flying blind but doing a great job nonetheless. Well, again, I'm sorry that I, I Sorry for the craziness, but uh, I appreciate you helping out. Thank you so much, everybody. This was really a lot of fun. This is Julie, and uh, I appreciate being invited to this. And I'm I'm really excited about the presentations that my colleagues did. About I I really didn't know how elaborate and engaging and cutting edge. Um, you know the uh, components of the shows and websites are. So thank you very much for that. And the pedagogical foundations are just amazing. So thank you. Scott, are you still on the line? I am. I, this is Tamara. I just wanted to let you know. I know you couldn't see the chat window uh, as people were, but many people commented after that you were done speaking about how great they thought your presentation was and useful, and that the site looked really fabulous, and so they were really impressed with what you had to say. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad. If there was, um, yeah, and I meant it when I was saying, you know, we really love constructive. Feedback. So, if there if there were any kind of you know expressions of confusion or frustration with the site or anything, um, you know, if they crop up, please let me know. Okay. Well, if, we put your um, email address that you mentioned in the chat window so people can get that directly. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really I'm really grateful that you guys were so patient and flexible. I really didn't intend for this day to be quite as muddy, but thank you. And it all worked out. Thank you for joining us. It did. Um, should I stick around, or, is, or do you have a question? that questions seem to have been wrapped up. Okay. So Great. I think it's probably go ahead to take the exit. All right. All right. Have a good night, and thank you again. Thank you. Okay. Thank bye. you too. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye bye. Have a good evening. Bye. Good night. Bye. Good night. Good night. Good night.